Pulls up the three. Boom! Knocks it down. Curry from the corner at three. Puts it in. For overtime. Makes it. Garrett. Hello from me, Mark Woods. Welcome once again to the MVP cast. Thank you so much for downloading the podcast. Lots of news on the website at present and on our social channels. Of course, you can get them on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Just search for MVP 24-7. Now, a big week coming up for Great Britain's men. A home and away series, or strictly speaking, an away and home doubleheader with Belarus in the World Cup qualifiers. Next Friday in Minsk, the Monday after, back at the Virtue Motors Arena in the lovely Newcastle. Ahead of those duels... Really delighted that we're joined in the podcast by GB wingman Carl Wheel. Carl, how are you? Good, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Good to be here. Um, let's start with domestic matters in terms of the club job at the minute. 12 points per game for Pistoia in Italian's second division this year. Career highs in shooting percentage, rebounds, assists. Picked up the Supercoppa at the start of the campaign. Seems like a nice year for you. Yeah, no, it's definitely been a great, a great year for me so far. Um, I knew coming in that it was going to be I'm a big year for the team and I was going to have a more predominant role in the team. So I'm just trying to, yeah, take every game as it comes. And I'm happy that, um, that I'm playing better, I'm playing well, and that it's, it's resulting in wins as well and the team's doing well. What's what's the big thing for you each year? I mean, everyone has different processes or different targets or the way they go about things. But when you, you came into this season, you know, you're a few years into your pro career now. Was there anything that you go... Right, I want to get this this year. I want to be better at that. I want to to, to improve in this particular start. I mean, what, what's your kind of process? I think generally, um, I always look to each season and try to improve from a general aspect, and then how I can impact winning as well. I mean, I've been on teams where we've been really successful and won a lot of games. Other teams where we maybe haven't lived up to expectations. So I always go into every season trying to be as in, as as impactful as possible on the winning side of things. And then from a personal standpoint to continuously improve in, in areas, shooting the ball has always been one that I've, I've always tried to work on uh, as much as possible because it's always been sort of maybe my Achilles heel in the past. So that's always something I look to improve as the seasons go on. And then, yeah, just on both sides of the floor being as impactful as possible to, to help a, a side win games. I mean, we always kind of obsess about points per game. I mean, that's the big ticket stat and maybe below that, rebounds, assists, steals, and then it kind of drops off a bit. But when you're playing in a better league, and the Italian league is a, is a better league, do you feel that there's more of a focus when other clubs are looking or GMs are looking at you or scouts on those little things, like a field goal percentage, like your win share, you know, like those contributions off, off the box score that, that can make a difference? I think it definitely does play a part. I think obviously you know coaches and scouts they they look at stats and you know it does play a big part in recruitment for players but I feel like if you can be um an integral part of a winning team that's always going to help your cause you know coaches and and GMs and people that are looking at new players are always going to want someone who who knows how to win and can help a team win so even if you don't have the the most outstanding numbers if you're helping your team win it's always going to be a benefit when when people are looking at you and when people are trying to trying to scout you or recruit you for, for the future. So my numbers have been up, but I always, I always had to do, you know, the little things that help a team win that, yeah, that don't show up on a box score. So diving on a loose ball and deflections, you know, these little things that, you know, if you don't really watch, if you don't watch me play, you might not know, or you might not obviously see from the stats, but 
the things that little things that help teams win and those are like I said being part of a winning team is always gonna is always gonna help you in your career because people are always gonna look and say yeah he knows how to win so he's adding something on top of the numbers that he may bring ninth season now in Italy I mean, it's extraordinary at your age it's nine years now it, it, it must feel like home yeah it definitely feels like a second home now I mean I tell people all the time and people ask me you know, they're surprised that I've been here for so long now. And I'm surprised as well. Sometimes I look back and I think I've been here for, yeah, nine years, nearly 10 years. So a big chunk of my life so far. But, you know, it definitely feels like second home. I've made friendships here, not just from the basketball standpoint, but just people in general. And I speak the language, you know, the food, the culture. I feel like embraced in, in Italy. So, yeah, it definitely feels like a second home now. There was a tweet you heard last year. I had to bring people about people's tweets. But you said sometimes... I don't know if you're serious or not, but you like to go out and speak their archetypal, really bad English British person yeah. speaking to Italians, either shouting or putting on a funny accent. Um, when was the last time you did that? Um, I think it was it was a couple of weeks ago. I was in a, <laughs> I was in a restaurant, and um, the 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 waitress came to me and assumed I was American, probably, and started speaking to me in English. And so I thought I just play along, and I spoke back in like. The kind of broken English that, you know, because obviously I can't really speak slang to people here because they wouldn't understand. So it's, it was really the broken down sort of kind of fake English you speak to to foreigners. So you know, I definitely have I have fun with that sometimes. And then and then like the when she came back, I started speaking to her in Italian, and then yeah, it was a normal conversation again. But I do enjoy doing that sometimes. How important was that? I mean, obviously you're going out early, so it's probably you know. You need it for your sociability, but do you think how important is that in terms of your advantage over other foreigners or foreign players that you are fluent, you can communicate with the coach, you don't need a translator, you don't get there's no miscommunication there when you know the heat of battle of a game is on. You know, it definitely does play a big part. I mean, I def for me, obviously coming out so young, it played a big part socially for me as well because coming out at fifteen, sixteen, most of my teammates didn't really speak English. And so I was quite isolated for the first few months I was out there before I started learning or before I started picking it up well. So it did it did help me quite a lot. And it meant life was a lot easier, not just off the court, but also on the court. It meant I could communicate with coaches better. I was understanding more what they were asking me because it's quite easy for things to get lost in translation um, with coaches, especially in junior teams where, you know, you don't really have anyone else who speaks English. And so literally, if you don't understand what the coach is saying, this is a pretty hard thing to come up to, to overcome I think in the pro game it's a bit easier because you usually have a few teammates who speak good English you know your assistant coaches usually like there's enough people who speak English to get by but definitely in my earlier years being able to speak Italian was definitely a big a big factor and a big plus because it meant yeah I could communicate pretty simply at that point with, with everyone I mean 15 years of age very young age for anybody to leave home but you head over to join the junior program of, of Angelica Biella. Why there, and how did it come about? Yeah, so no, it was it was definitely a big, a big moment in my life and a big sort of change at that time. Um, it came about having played um, the under 16s European Championships with with England. I was scouted there by my eventual um, junior team coach in Biella. And he had seen me and, and was interested in, in signing me. So they brought me out for a trial. I think it was about a week after the the European Championships had finished. And I stayed out there for about a week. And I trialed with them. I practiced with the team, sort of saw how 
they ran the organizations, looked at where I'd be staying. And it just felt like a, a place where I could really develop. You know, they showed a lot of interest in me um, from the start, basically. And they they were very adamant that I could that I could become a really good player. And they showed um, showed a lot of interest. They showed a lot of support for me and my family as well. They also, because my, for my mum, it was a big thing to, to make sure I still I finished school in the UK. So I made sure that I got my GCSEs and they were really supportive of me studying and then having to, to come back to the UK to sit exams. They were really supportive of all of that, which was a, a big factor as well. And then just I had a really homely feel to it. I felt like when I was leaving, I wanted to be in a place where I could really focus on basketball and not have too, too many outside outside distractions. And this felt like the best place for that. So I'm lucky I made a, a pretty good choice and it worked out. But yeah, no, I'm definitely happy that it worked out how it did. Was that something that was always on your mind that, you know, a European type move? Or was that one of those things out of the blue? Someone taps your shoulder after the game and say, you know, do you fancy coming to Italy? Try this out. And you go, oh, okay, well, you know, free trip to Italy, sold. Yeah, no, it was very much a, a sort of out of the blue, I don't want to say spur the moment, but it was definitely an out of the blue kind of kind of opportunity because I didn't, I didn't even play in basketball for that long at the time. I only started properly really when I when I was fourteen, so this was only my second like full season, and there was already this opportunity. I I had no idea really about sort of the European route to to playing basketball. You know, at that point, all I'd heard about was people going to college, and you know, slowly as I got into the England program, I was seeing people older than me that had gone to college or done things like that. So the the whole Europe option for me was, yeah, it just felt it felt alien. I didn't even know how to sort of approach it or how to. Or what to really expect um, when it came about? I said, "Well, you know, I don't really have. There's not really many other better options right now." So I thought, "Why not take it?" And it, it worked out. I mean, I've had a lot of people ask me afterwards why I chose to go to Europe, and I said, "I was 15 at the time. There was no America wasn't an option, and you know, I knew it would develop me more than staying in the UK. So I thought, why not?" Do you feel that? And I know your father passed when you were relatively young. Um, and I wonder, you know, if, if being sort of put in a position where, you know, your mum's obviously raising you and done a brilliant job of it. But I wonder if, you know, maybe there you feel more conflicted to go away and leaving her behind. Or if you feel maybe more mature and ready because you've had to deal with adversity at a young age. I mean, it did definitely shape me as a, as a person going through that at a young age. Um, but also it was my mum that, sort of played a big part in me leaving because I don't say she sent me away but she was very much supportive she was very much supportive of the move and, and we sat down and obviously talked about it for, for quite a while because it was a big decision and then she basically explained to me listen Carl you can't pass up these kind of opportunities because these are the kind of things that maybe only happen once in your lifetime and obviously at that age it might not have come, it may have come by again who knows but at that point it was too good an opportunity to miss and it was one of those ones where you know, thinking about it and speaking to her about it, speaking to obviously to my friends and my sister and the family as well, they were saying to me, you know, if it doesn't work out, but you've given it a go, then you can't say you haven't tried. But to not try and to not even try to experience it and try to make the best of it would be would be a waste of opportunity. So thankfully, she was she was always so supportive of it. She had always been supportive of my sport, even before I even started playing basketball when I was playing football. I remember her taking me to games on a Sunday where she could have been relaxing and standing in the rain watching me play football. And, you know, so she's always been super supportive of 
of me wanting to play sport and me doing well. So she saw the opportunity straight away. And as, as soon as I had her back and I felt a bit more easy about the decision of wanting to leave because I knew that it was what my family wanted for me and it was what they thought was best and what ultimately was the best decision for me at the time. Because what age were you when your, your father died? I was just about to turn seven. It was a couple of weeks before my seventh birthday. So. And obviously so young and, you know, so tragic at that kind of age. I mean, when you look back now, you know, how, does, how does that point shape the person that you've become today? It definitely it's definitely had an impact, obviously, growing up majority of my life now without without my father there. It is, it is obviously difficult and there's obviously moments where, you know, I'd want to be able to call him or want to be able to talk to him um, about different things, but... I know he's proud of the man I'm becoming and what I've achieved so far and what hopefully I'll achieve in the future. But, you know, obviously, like I said, I've got a family who's who's been really supportive throughout my life and throughout my career so far. So obviously I do miss having that, but I also know that I've got family and friends who are, who are supportive of me and want me to do well. So, you know, it has helped me mature because I've known that sort of not had to be the man in the house from seven but I know that I've had to mature and move into Italy as well it's helped me mature being away from home and learning to be more independent from a younger age so these are all sort of little life lessons I'll take with me as I move on in my career but I'm definitely thankful for the, the people I've had around me and the support I've had in my career so far and being able to get where I am now. Do you, did you seek out other role models I mean obviously your mother's a role model but you know sometimes we need a male role model or whatever I mean did you get people around you who kind of helped you with those decisions or you could lean on yeah no definitely at the age when I was when I was sort of making my decisions all my coaches were, were all very supportive of of the move and were all wanted me to do really well I mean they'd always had my best sort of interest at heart and um just going off the top of my head coach Alan Keane um, coach Pedrag, Coach Peter, who was a, who were all pioneers coaches at the time. Coach Gary Maitland as well, who was a, who was one of my pioneers coaches at the time. Coach Lucio, there's a, there's a lot of people I can name, but those five or six come come to mind straight away who are my main coaches at the time, um, who were all sort of super ecstatic for me when they had heard about the opportunity and were all pushing for me to go because they knew, you know, what this could mean for me as a as a person as a player. So no, it was definitely. Um, a big thing to have coaches who I respected a lot and who would help me so much to that point, who were all pushing for me and, and rooting for me to do well and who were always there trying to give me advice and were there if I needed to talk to them at the time um, about me deciding to move. So it was definitely it was definitely big for me having those guys who, who supported me as much as they did and who I still have contact with now. And um, whenever I see them around the, you know, the, the basketball circuit, they always ask how I'm doing and, you know, are proud of me. So that's that's big for me to have now, um, so many years on, but it was definitely a big part of my decision at the time. What's those big moments been like for your mum? Because, you know, being there for you, I mean, you know, you get those sort of coming of age moments. So your first pro contract with Biela, you know, 18 or whatever, your first GB cap or whatever. I mean, that must be nice to kind of share those big moments with her, you know, for, for the role that she's played. Yeah, no, it's been um, it's been great for her. She's she's sort of loved every minute of it. I know the first months and years when I was at home was a bit was tough for everyone really because it, it was a bit of a shock to the system. weren't really used to it up until that point. I'd only been away for like a week or two weeks at a time. So to pass from that to not seeing me for months on end was obviously quite tough. But she's so happy that of of how it's worked out and 
she always made the effort to come out when she could um, to to see me and watch games and was so proud when I made when I first got called up to the GB men's and you know having that success and she's always been super super supportive her and the rest of the family so they've been out quite 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 a lot of times they always come out two three times in the year to to see me play in Italy so it's always it's always good to know that you know the support has never wavered and they've always been right there on my corner and that she's enjoying as much as I am the the sort of successes and the progressions that I'm having in my career. She might not have committed much if you'd got that deal in Ukraine, though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it, it helps. It, it, another country might have might have held her back a little bit, but yeah, Italy's a pretty <laughs> nice place to, to be able to come on holiday, so I'm sure she's happy about that, too. I mean, we've heard from lots of people, teammates of yours in, in the international stage on, on this podcast about, you know, the systems and the programs and the development system in, in different countries. Give us a little bit of flavour. What What's that system like that you know, took you from age 15 to when you're, you know, you're heading into those senior competitions? What's the structure and what's what, what's special about it that Italy does well? So for, for me, Italy is always, well, where, where I've been has always been a prof- very professional sort of outlook on things from, from the start. So from the first weeks I got there, it was, you know, you had nutritionists guiding you on how to eat. You had strength and conditioning coaches who sort of followed you and made sure you were, you were working out in the right way or you were doing extra gym work or these kind of things that, you know, you kind of take for granted when you're young because you kind of think, oh, yeah, I'm fine. I can play all day sort of thing. But you realise as you get older, and I'm not old now, but I realise the difference in when I take care of my body or when I eat right or how I, or how it feels when I maybe take a couple of days off and, you know, just how and how to, to manage my time and manage what I do to, to be ready to play. And then... Just the, the level of detail they put into practices. I mean, obviously, it's a big thing having the availability as well. You know, when I think back of when I used to train in the UK and I trained maybe three times a week within those two hours, two hour sessions, you've got to think of, you, you've got to improve individually as players. Then you've got to work on team things. And, you know, there'll be times where guys are late coming from school or, you know, the gym is, you don't have extra time in the gym because there's a there's a school session afterwards or before or there's badminton coming in the gym because the gym's hired out or you know these kind of things and just the fact that obviously going to a club where the facility is theirs so it means that after practice if you want you can get extra shots up you can come early and get working and, and go to the gym right before practice and do extra stuff you know you have individuals in the morning so you don't have to use up your team practice time on individuals and you can focus on your team things and work better as a team in that way, you know, two sessions a day, every day. I mean, I don't even think it's so much more of what they teach you. It's just the availability and the time is so much more, you know, to compare when I was in, in the youth setup, I would practice in most, most days two, twice a day, apart from game days. So even if you go Monday to Friday, it's already 10 sessions compared to two, maybe three hours doing when I was back in the UK. So that's already 16, 20 hours more just of court time that you have in a week. So it's, it allows you to progress so much further than you may have because you just have the availability. And then obviously the coaching has to be at a high level. And I was I was lucky to have really good coaches who, who helped me hone my skills and helped me improve year on year and become the player I am today. But it's also the availability is, is obviously such a big thing where it allows players to improve rapidly because you're allowed to, you have the time. And obviously it's down to then to the players to put the work in and continuously want to improve. But 
when you have the access, it does it does become a lot easier knowing you have the availability and the possibilities to do so much more. What's that competition like though? Because you're, you know, you've got so many of you on you know, youth contracts or whatever kind of contract you want to call it, but you're all fighting to get the the grown up contract, the pro deal, you know, to stay with the club, to you know, to play in in you know Liga A. When you're going up against people, and these people, of course, are your friends, but you know how much competition is there, especially when you're sort of sixteen, seventeen, when you're heading towards the top of the funnel, where you know either you know you're going to stay or you're going to be cut free. Do you feel that competition between yourselves? There, there, there is definitely a bit of a there is definitely friendly competition with, within the teams because you know that from the youth setup, obviously not the whole team is going to go from the under twenties and be put into the to the pro team, so you do have competition with with people because you know, you know, you might someone might be in the same spot, and you might think, okay, it's gonna be me or you. But at the same time, that not only it, it helps you improve, it helps you just want to be better because you know that you're not just cruising along and knowing you have a spot. It means you know you have to work hard and push someone else, and someone's pushing you to be better. So that's only gonna help you improve in the long run, and then just showing that you're ready to play. So from about 17, 18, I was practicing with the first team, even though I wasn't playing yet. So just being able to do that, trying to learn as much as I could from pros at the time. And whenever I was on the, whenever I got the chance to actually practice and actually play to show that I was ready to have an impact, whether that was defending well or rebounding or just being in the right spot at the right time, because, you know, there's so much more to basketball than just shooting or rebounding or defending, but actually knowing how to play. So just trying to learn as much as I could at a young age to then help me prepare and be ready to be a pro when that time came. And so the competition is definitely is definitely a good thing because you want to be to be pushed and you want to have that competition to make you a better player. And it definitely helps when you see your friends succeed as well as you knowing that you've competed together for years. I was talking a lot over the last few weeks to... European basketball legends and one of the topics that always comes up is the opposing gyms and the intimidation factor and the noise that you get in countries like Greece and Serbia and Italy where people take this seriously and what's the what's the most intimidating joint you've ever had to walk into oh that's a good question um Okay, so domestically with my team, it's probably I want to say Fortitudo Bologna, mm. and they have a history of being a very difficult place to play. And um, actually, I remember speaking to um, to Kieran Achara when I first made GB because he had played there mm. before, and we we talked a little bit about it because he had played in um, in Biella as well. And so I remember talking to him a little bit about 42 and just how crazy that gym was. Teddy as well had played there. So I'd spoken to him about it and just that noise going in as opposing player is ridiculous. You can't hear yourself call plays. You can't hear screens being called. When that place is rocking, it's, it's really, it's really something. And then probably with GB, uh, I might have to go Montenegro last year or a couple, I can't remember when it was, but a few years back mm. when we had um, qualifiers and we had an away game there and they had chance going the whole game back and forth between sides of the gym. 
I think it was like the the east side talking to the west, and they were had chants that went back and forth. And you had no idea what they were saying, but you just knew the the atmosphere was electric. Every basket they made, you could sort of feel the vibrations on the floor. It was it was crazy. And there's so many gyms like that. When we played in Greece as well, similar kind of things. Just have you know the chants and you know the songs that the, the fans are singing the whole game. You know you do something well for your team, and it's booze and people are and people are shouting, not wanting you to do well. Their team scores, and the whole place is going crazy. So just that sort of the crazy intense fans it's, it makes the game so much funner it do, it can be quite intimidating sometimes because you know you walk into a gym and it's packed out of people cheering against you it can but it's it's also so much fun and it's also such a great part of the game to have you know those big intense european or domestic games where you know it's in a really important game and the fans are hostile and then you make plays and you win the game and it's it's so nice to have fans that are crazy at the start but at quiet at the end because you're walking out with a win. It's just, it's such a great feeling. It's such a great part of, of sport. Um, Italy, I mean, it being such a long country um, and the way the league's set up, I mean, you've got a lot of long bus trips. Um, how do you deal with that without going insane? Yeah, it, is, it can be quite, um, I don't want to say irritating, but it can be quite tedious, the, the long bus trips. We actually had a game last week we had to fly to, so that's a, a whole afternoon day of travel pretty much traveling into the airport waiting in the airport flying and and hours of journeys to the hotel afterwards so it can be quite tedious i mean i try to sleep as much as possible because it just makes the time go by faster but obviously you can't sleep for the whole day and the whole night so i mean usually on those trips it's just downloading movies to watch on the way and you know, we bring cards or like Uno and card games that we play in like the airport while we're waiting and stuff like that. So it's just trying to pass the time as, as quick as possible. But it, yeah, it can get tedious with the, the plane rides or the, the eight-hour bus journeys in the middle of the night, not getting home till three, four in the morning. Those are the, the less fun parts of the of the sort of the pro, the pro travel life and those things. But, you know, that's what I always, I always say to my teammates, let's get this win because having to tra- travel back eight hours after a loss is, is a lot worse. So, you know, at least if you win, it's a bit it's a bit more manageable having to do those long road trips. But yeah, those are definitely not things I'll, I'll miss. That's the unfun stuff. What's the most fun thing about playing in Italy that we might not think about? You know, because we obviously, we'd all say, yeah, easy access to great pizza past, uh, you know, the, <laughs> the sunshine. But what's the sort of unseen quiet thing that you go, yeah, this is what makes Italy so good? I think it's just the the atmosphere when you when you win and when and just the atmosphere in games. You know, you walk into a gym and you've got fans who are chanting the whole game through for your team and just being part of those kind of environments. And then off the court, I'd say just the culture. Just Italy's like a really welcoming place, and yeah, obviously the food is the food's amazing as well. So that's that's definitely a bonus. That's not something I can I can complain about. So. That's definitely been a plus for all these years I've been here. But definitely the the atmosphere in games and just when you're winning or just having a great game and you know that love that the fans show and the people show to you and that people being so welcoming when you come to their to their cities and their places and just it's just a great atmosphere to be in when you when you're in a really nice game or a really loud gym. It's just a, a cool atmosphere to be a part of. Gyms next week, unusual place in Minsk, and yeah, World Cup qualifying restarting. Every team in the group. 
one and one after that great win for GB and against Greece and Newcastle in the in the opening window at the end of last year. And um, I mean, we were all wondering whether this game would be played in minutes because of the situation there and you know everything that goes on. I mean, I mean, as players, we've you know we've seen this much chat the last few weeks about Winter Olympics whether you know athletes should be going to China, want to be going to China. Um, was there ever any talk about you guys? Go, you know, saying, do we really need to go here? Do we have to go? Or can we get out of going to Minsk? Um, I think, you know, as players, we only have so much control. Like, there's obviously a lot we do control, but there's a lot of things we also don't. So I think for us, it's just sort of, we have to be ready wherever we have to play. So, you know, maybe there might be places we don't ideally want to go to or ideally want to play given certain situations. But at the end of the day, you know, when we get on that court, when we get in between those lines, all we're thinking of is coming out there with a win. So, you know, regardless of, sort of other situation at the time. We just have to be wary of things we need to be, you know, attentive of. And, but we know that our job is to go out there and win games for the country. So, you know, whether it's Minsk we play in or somewhere else or wherever it may be that, you know, we take the floor, we just know that when we get in um, when we get in there, we got to be ready to go and, and be in business. Yeah, I think Minsk may have been, I hope I remember, there's some more correct, and if they're listening to this, was when England went to, to Belarus once and had to bring a stack of pot noodles with them. So such was the, the fear of not getting actual food. Things have moved on a little bit since then. But, I mean, yeah, I mean with the game so far, I mean, you, you said Greece, you know, great win. You know, maybe not Greece's A-team, but a terrific win nonetheless. And then, you know, defeat in Turkey. But, it's, you know, it's a nice position to be in after the first two two group games. Do you see this as the great opportunity because you know last last time there was World Cup qualifiers it was first phase and then out this time it is a better more experienced GB team the other teams you know are beatable no one you know no one is unbeatable in this group I mean describe the size of this opportunity as you see it to to make this second round and possibly like could we even dream you of reaching a World Cup yeah, no, I definitely think that we have to go in, um, go into these games with the idea that you know this is a big opportunity for us. I feel like in recent windows and in recent games, we've shown that we can compete with with anyone that's that's put in front of us, and we have to have that mentality going forward. You know, I definitely feel like the team is is gelling well, and that you know, game after game, we become more confident, and we know what each one of us can do. And so definitely we, we, we want to have the goal to, to win as much games as possible and to, and to try and qualify for the World Cup because, you know, like I said, we, we got onto the court wanting, wanting to win games and wanting to, you know, win games for GB. So we, we definitely have to see it as an opportunity for us um, this next window to, to pick up wins. And we know Belarus is obviously not going to be an easy opponent. It's going to be tough games for us. But I'm definitely confident in what the team can produce and, you know, like I said, we're going into this. We're not going into these, um, going into this window looking for two wins, and you know that's hopefully something we can we can do because it, it would be a massive boost for us going into the last window then in the summer. So, yeah, we definitely want to come away with our heads held high and knowing that we gave our all and, and trying to come away with wins. Do you feel that this is maybe the time for this GP group? Tell you, obviously, Eurobasket coming up in the summer as well. Back in Italy, of course, to start with, so you know, home advantage for you. Um, <laughs> do, do you sort of feel that maybe this is the time that's come to sort of make impressions? You know, and you, you most of that twenty twelve generation's gone. Our Dan's hanging on, but you know, he's doing and he's doing a great job of it. But now this is kind of 
this group and this sort of this this cluster of players chance to go out and go you know what we can actually do something in the international stage we're not just going for first rounds or group stages that you know we, we can actually really prove that we've we've got talent here yeah i mean like i said like the way we, we've been playing in recent games and recent windows we were definitely confident in our ability and we definitely feel like we can play and compete and win against anyone that's put in front of us so we're definitely looking forward to competitions and definitely the Eurobasket at the end of the summer is, is something we look forward to knowing we've qualified and knowing, you know, our group and who our opponents are going to be. We're definitely looking forward to that and saying, yeah, we want to make noise and also looking on from what the women did as well, how how well they've been playing recently and their success. We want to piggyback off that as well and, and, and do the same so that both GB teams are, are really showing the world, not just Europe, but the world as well that, you know, that GB is, is constantly getting better and that, we feel like we're in a great place right now. I feel like, like you said, the 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 last Olympic generation is kind of, you know, apart from DC, you know, they've 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 moved on. Obviously, with time that happens, and I feel like this new generation is hungry to to succeed and to do well and to to keep putting GB on the map. And I feel like we've we've done a great job of that recently. And our goal is to yeah, just to carry on and, and try to to keep that momentum going. But, and the coaching situation is unconventional. We can't really get away from that, but. I think what really impressed me in Newcastle was Mark Stittle's influence and poise on the sidelines, particularly you know points in the game where you know there was runs or adversity or, or challenges or whatever. As players, give us an insight. How how is Mark in this sort of bubble when he gets in there that he's you know he is the the hand that's on the tiller guiding everyone. You know, Mark from from the jump has always you know put GB first, um, regardless of the coaching situation. We obviously know he's in contact with Nate and the whole coaching stuff is, is on the same page. But Mark being, you know, the literal figure in those games, he's always relayed to us that it's GB first. And we know that as when we come into camp, however many of us it is all together with the staff, the 20 odd people that are there, we know that for that week, it's GB above everything else. So it's not, it's not me against someone else. It's not whoever and so and so is GB against Belarus or GB against Greece or whoever it may be. So we know that when we come in, we've got one common goal, which is to win games as GB. And so Mark has, has always done a great job of preparing us for the games and also making sure that we know that we're doing this together and that regardless of if it's him at the helm for those particular games or Nate or whoever whoever it may be, that we know that we have one common goal and that's what we, we have to work towards. So... You know, Mark's been great. I, had, I, had, uh, I was fortunate enough to have him at under-20s as well mm. um, before I was called up or while I was sort of in the men's, while I was in the men's team. But I was, I was fortunate enough to have Mark at, at 20s as well. So I had known how much passion he brings to the GB setup and how much, you know, energy and, and enthusiasm he brings to the national team. So to have him um, as a men's coach as well and to see him flourishing as well, is, it makes me happy because I know how much he cares about GB basketball and how much he cares about us us doing well so yeah I'm, I'm I'm happy he's been able to to do well in these games and I'm sure him and Nate will, will continue to work together for the for the next games and like I said he's he's always related to us the importance of us playing together as a team and I feel like we're doing that well how do you feel about the sort of politics though that's behind the scenes because you know you were an under 20 player very successful that team's been knocked off lots of criticism for that there's still trying to sort out this funding block of lottery funding, you know, the, the home nations and BBF chatting, you know, we hear progress, which is great, but it's still not 
as we speak now, you know, resolved. You know, as players, I mean, you obviously you would want more money coming into the program because it upgrades things, etc. But as as one of the younger players, you've seen this all the way through. I mean, what's the frustration level or you know of of perspective on everything that goes on off the court? You know, it is it is very frustrating. Um, obviously, like I said, like being one of the young ones in the team, I'm not far removed from my last under twenty years, so. You know, having done all the age groups at GB, I know what the pathway is, and I know what it's like to be part of those age groups and how big those can 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 be for players. I mean, without my first under sixteen Euros, I probably don't go to Italy, and my career is very different to what it is now. So, um, I know that under twenty is obviously a big competition for for a lot of players, um, whether that may be players that are trying to get uh, uh, into a different college, maybe or looking to go pro. It's a very big competition, so it is annoying and frustrating that um, there hasn't been a way to, to have those teams compete in the last couple of summers. Obviously, COVID has played a part, with which it has with pretty much everything in the world right now, but it is, it is definitely frustrating to, to, to not be able to have under-20s teams for, for this summer and have those teams able to compete because it is big for those kids, and I know that kids that maybe, you know, they would have started of the pandemic as under-18s and not even have had the chance to play in the 20s and it was something they were probably looking forward to quite a lot. So hopefully these kind of things can get resolved and, you know, there's a way to have funding and to have those those teams in competitions in the in the near future because it's definitely something that, that GB needs to sort of keep building on, on what we've been doing. I think in recent years, obviously before the pandemic, my under-20s teams had done well. We were in um, Division A, a lot of the other youth teams were were had done really well in recent years, so I feel like it's a shame that that sort of trend hasn't been able to to continue based on funding and things like that. So, I mean, hopefully, these are situations that can be resolved because it is a big loss, and it is something that you know needs to be sorted because there's a lot of kids out there that deserve to um, be able to show what they can do on the under twenty levels, which is sort of the last main stage before the the men's and before the pros, so it is a shame. So hopefully that can that can get rectified soon. On the GB front, one thing that people have said to me about you, and this goes back to when you were, I think, 17, 18, but I've still, people still say it from time to time. Carl Wheel, future GB captain. How does that sit with you? I mean, it's it's an honour to hear, you know, I feel, I feel humbled to hear people you know, say that about me and sort of have that sort of outlook for for my career, especially from, you know, such a young age is, you know, to be GB captain one day would, would be a huge honour for me and a huge privilege and not something I take lightly. Um, I always come into the GB windows, always try to represent to the best that I can and do what do whatever the team needs. So trying to be professional in, in what I do and make sure that whoever I play or don't play or whatever I'm or however I'm, I'm involved to to make sure that I'm helping the team do do the best they can really so to hear people having said that about me it's definitely yeah it's very humbling um and I hope to be part of the GB program for the rest of my career the rest of my career really and, and a lot of years to come and if that eventually comes about well, well I'm captain one day I'd, I'd be very happy about that same way I'd be happy for anyone else who who's given that the honor really and just be happy to play I'm just really happy to to represent my country and like I said hopefully I can do that for for many more years what would your style of leadership be or what 
is your style of leadership, I guess, because you lead already. Um, I wouldn't say I'm the, the super shouty type. I wouldn't say <laughs> I'm the the shouting all the time kind of kind of lead. I think I'm a, I'm a lead by example kind of guy. I try to sort of show the way and sort of give advice when it's needed and, you know, know just sort of when to shout and when not to or when to be more vocal. But my main sort of leadership role is, yeah, to lead by example and just make sure I'm doing the right thing because sometimes it is a lot easier to just follow someone doing the right thing because, you know, instead of having to shout, because sometimes, you know, shouting doesn't always work or being the super vocal one doesn't work with everyone. So it's kind of just trying to know my teammates or know who I'm trying to lead. But yeah, the main thing for me is lead by example and that sort of has always worked out pretty well. Do you feel that within this sort of culture of, of this team now, because it's, it's, it is quite egalitarian. There's no like superstar in the team like there was probably back in the Lowaldang era or, you know, NBA All-Star. I mean, do you guys feel like, you know, you've all kind of got that input now? You know, that, you know, as you, one of the younger players, if you see something or if you see something that's, that's not working, that you've got that freedom to, to kind of whisper in someone's ear, tap them on the shoulder, whatever way you want to convey it. Yeah, I feel like in, in this team, we're all, we're all, like, we all, we're all very much a team, we're all very much a collective group. So we're, we're always, um, we're always ready to, to help each other out in, in ways we see. Maybe I see something that someone else doesn't see or and, and I can help them with that in the same way someone can help me if I don't see things in, in a way that could be beneficial for the team. So I definitely feel like, obviously, we do have the main leaders on our team who are, you know, the main voices, but I feel like we can always all chip in a bit, you know, when we see things on the court or just in general on the fly that may help the team win. And, you know, like I said, it's a, it's a collective. We're all trying to win. So, you know, whatever input helps do that is is very welcome within the team um you left at 15 and i know you've you were one of those people that looked at josh Steele's video recently about how you would solve british basketball you were kind of that target group of young british talent that we would love to see playing back in this country you know not having to go abroad etc what would tempt you back other than someone putting a massive wad of pound notes in front of you and going We'll pay you five times as much as you're getting in Italy. Um, I think for me the the situation would would have to be right, and in win situation, I mean, you know, the organization organization would have to be run in in the right way. Um, you know, you'd want professionalism in in sort of all aspects of of how things are run. Obviously, the competition is is something you you know, as athletes, we play for a high level of competition. You want to play against the best and be able to beat the best and so I, I want to make sure that you know it's regular good competition which I've seen obviously the league has improved in, in terms of that but um, there are a few things obviously I'd want to I'd ideally obviously want to play in their home but I think everyone sort of does um, so is I've never ruled it out to, to play in the BBL and to be back at home because like I said who wouldn't want to play you know at home and be able to play nearer to family and friends and, and things like that. The situation for me would have to be right. It would have to be a situation where I feel comfortable within the club where, you know, I sort of knew what my role would be and the professionalism on and off the court, things like that. Um, and then, yeah, I, I'd always, I, I definitely want the, the British game to, to go further. So, you know, I'm all for that in the future. And I've, like I said, I've never ruled out playing back home, but, yeah, the situation would have to be the the right one, and then 
you get to take it from there, really. Yeah, but you'd be giving up food in great weather. So I mean, the food, yeah, I'd have to go. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't go somewhere with bad food (laughs) because daily for nine, I've I've been accustomed to a certain type of cuisine, so (laughs) I'd need something pretty good. Let's let's finish up with our three big questions here. Um, If you had to trade places with anyone for a day, who would you choose? Is athlete or just someone? Anyone, just you can, ge- anyone you like. Ooh. um, that's tough. Uh, oh, I don't know. <laughs> you can't say Dan Clark. That's the only one that's not allowed. No, I can't go DC. I'm after. Go- oh, I'm gonna go Cristiano Ronaldo because Man United is my team. He's a legend. He's one of the best players of all time. So, yeah, but he's past it, like Manu. But yeah, you don't. Oh, no, but he's for a day. I'd still, that'd still be cool to for a day play a game and yeah, that'd be cool. Score at the Stratford end. Yeah, just for a day though, because after that popularity and stuff, that's not for me. But yeah, for a day score at Old Trafford in front. Yeah, in front of the Stratford end, that would be that would be elite. So yeah, I'll Ronaldo for boyhood dream realized. Um, yeah. No. If you had the superpower to change one thing, what power would you ask for and what would you do with it? Superpower to change one thing? I don't know. Superpowers is a tough one because there's so many good superpowers. Superpower. I'm going to have to go with super speed because ah. I'm not patient, so I like to get places quickly. <laughs> nice. And that would help on the road trips. It means I could get places <laughs> A lot quicker, but yeah, probably super speed because I would have said flying, but I don't love flying, so you take the bus. That's that's fine. Yeah. Uh, and last one, I mean, the Winter Olympics just finishing up. Um, if you had to, to pick one sport from the Winter Olympics to compete in, what would you choose? Oh, um, I don't know if I know enough winter sports. Oh, probably snowboarding because I used to play snowboard games on a computer and they were cool, so I had you tabbed as a curler. I don't know why, you know, I thought no. that could be you. Curling I don't think, yeah, I don't think I know enough <laughs> Olympic games to pick anything else. I think, yeah, I'd have to go snowboarding or skiing, something like that, out yeah. on the mountains, and yeah, that would be that would be pretty cool. Well, let's hope you continue to fly high. The the, the jumps keep getting taken, and um, they're all done at high speed. But uh, Carl, um, let's hope for two wins next week and continued success over in Italy and elsewhere. And thanks so much for making the time for for joining us on the MVP cast. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. That's it for this edition. You might also enjoy our recent shows with Josh Steele and Connor Meany. If you haven't already, and why haven't you, subscribe to the podcast via your preferred provider or just ask Alexa or Google to play MVP Cast. It's always great to hear from you. If you want to get me, hit me on Twitter at Mark Britball. We'll have another edition of the MVP Cast coming very soon. But for me, Mark Goods, thank you so much for listening and it's goodbye. <laughs>